Wow. Well, thank you, New Hope family. Come on. I get used to that. I love it. I love it. I love affirmation before I've done anything. Amen and amen. Uh, as Adam said, my name is Nick, and I get the privilege of being Adam's friend and being able to come and to join with our faith family and just to remind us of what is true about God. And me and Adam have been friends for a very long time. I feel like we have grown up as friends, uh, and it has been amazing. I remember the time, exact moment when I knew that Pastor Adam and I would be friends forever. It was many years ago. It was we were both working at the same church and I had just recently been married. We were married for about two months. Tragedy hit, my mom passed away and my younger brother came to live with my wife and I after being married for two months. Woo! <laughs> Y'all, listen, if you're newly married, you know, you're like, woo! <laughs> and even after being married for almost 18 years now, can I get a woo? <laughs> I am still learning. But we were fresh in the marriage. We were trying to figure out how to navigate life together. And we were still figuring that out. And then my mom went to be with Jesus. And my younger brother came to live with us. And we had no idea. And I remember we were sitting there in our first couples group as a married couple. And we're sitting there. And we had one of another friend said something. And, and then I just remember very clearly and very, very vividly, Adam just said, Hey, Nick, we don't know what this is like to walk through this. So we, 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 we don't know, but what we can do is we can pray for you, we can walk with you, and we can love you. And when he said that to me, I knew, I was like, he is going to be a part of my life, him and his wife Morgan, forever. And he has been. I have every church that Adam has been a part of, I have been able to come alongside him in some capacity and encourage him and support, with, support him and walk with him. And so he really is one of my oldest friends, and I have known him a long, long time. And I love the way that he displayed authentic love to me and my family. And which I'm excited about, we have been in a series here at New Hope called In the Light. We have been walking through 1 John, and if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you will notice this kind of rhythm and this kind of walking that John reminds us of, of, hey, walk in the light and behold love. Because Jesus is love and light, we get to follow in his footsteps. And I love that John is talking about it because John knows a thing or two about love. You got to think about it. John was in the present of light and love in the person of Jesus. So John got to breathe love in. John got to sit at the feet of love. John got to reflect love. John got to tell others about the love that he got to experience. And so John knew a thing or two about love and light. Why? Because he sat in the very presence of light and love. Andy Stanley says this about words. The source of a word determines the weight of the word. Let me say it again. The source of a word determines the weight of the word. So for us this morning, as we continue journeying through the book of 1 John, we have to remember who wrote this word and who inspired this word, the word of the Holy Spirit. And John is just going, hey, y'all, I beheld light, I beheld love, and this is how you walk in step with it. And I think because of who said it, it has a weight, and so I think it's worth listening to. So over the next few moments, we're going to dive into the book of 1 John and continue on our journey to see what it looks like to behold love and to walk in it. So I invite you right where you are. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much that you would invite a people such as us to be a part of your kingdom. 
Lord, thank you that you paid a high price to win us back and to provide a way where there was no way. So Lord, over the next few moments as we read your word, Lord, I pray that walls will come down and the hearts will be open to receive the word you have for us today. Lord, I pray that if anything is not of you, may it fall away. But if it is of you, may it take root in our hearts and may it yield some beautiful fruit. Jesus, we love you only because you first loved us. And so, Lord, my prayer is that we will walk in step with you and that we will fix our eyes on the king and go and do likewise. And we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name, amen. If you have your Bibles or your tablets or if you're watching online, turn to 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 12. Let me give you a little context of what is going on in case you haven't been a part of the rhythm over the last few weeks. So John continues to talk about this, this kind of light, walk in the light, and remember who the light is. He says, stay away from dark things. Do not allow your life to reflect dark things because you have called, been called to dwell in the light. Walk in love. As Jesus is love, we have been invited to walk in these ways. And when we get to verse 12, he's going to continue to remind us of what it looks like to walk in light and love. And he's also going to point us to the truth that we get to follow the king. So we should say yes to the king and no to what is less than, no to sin, no to darkness, but yes to the king. So we are going to pick up in 1 John, beginning in chapter 2, verse 12. Let's read. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. Let me pause here. You will notice that John is talking to different generations. He's going, hey, fathers. Take heed and listen. Children, listen to the words I'm about to tell you. Young man, listen to what I have to tell you. He is talking to the whole audience. He's saying this is for everybody. There is no one excluded. Everyone's included in this word. So listen, everybody. He goes on to say this. I write to you children because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young man because you were strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. To this early church audience, you will see that John is assuming a little bit and what he is assuming is that they are growing in faith and growing in Christ. Spiritual growth was the norm and assumed in the early church. John is going, you should be walking with Jesus. You should look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday. You should look more like Jesus tomorrow than you did today. You should be growing in faith. You should be growing in kindness. You should reflect the king all the better every step of the way because the more you walk with Jesus, the more you fix your eyes on Jesus, the more you should be reflecting Jesus. And John is just reminding them of, hey, this is what is natural and this is what is normal. And I will say this for us today. Spiritual growth and obedience should be the norm for us today. We should be growing in faith. We should be growing in love. We should be growing in kindness. Why? Because as we behold him, we become more like him. 
As we fix our eyes, our feet should walk towards what our eyes are fixed upon. And so we should be growing in faith, kindness, mercy, all the things because we are beholding the king. It is the natural progression of things. And you would say, if I was to ask you, I think you would say that too. Like, we all should be growing. Let me give you an example of this. So we came in on Friday, and I got to experience this place on Saturday that I had to go back on Sunday, today. And it's this little place called Rise. <laughs> Woo! And if you haven't been there, you're missing out. That's where you're going to lunch. Because listen, they have biscuits and donuts. Can I, just a minute. Woo! Not only do they have biscuits and donuts, but they also got cheese grits that make you slap your mama twice, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to be real with you. Now, and they some, they cheese grits. <laughs> and so let's say today, I say, hey, let's all go to Rise for lunch, which you all should do, amen? And when we get there and you see me in there or right outside eating and you notice that I'm holding this jar of baby food and it says baby food biscuits. And I'm eating, I'm like, oh, this is glorious. Y'all would look at me and be like, why is a very grown man eating baby food? For you, it might give you pause. For you, you might be like, I can't believe I listened to this man for 30 minutes and he out here eating baby food in public. What's wrong with him? <laughs> like, you probably would judge me a little bit, but hear me, let me tell you. If you see me out eating baby food, you should judge a brother. I am too old to be eating baby food. Why? Because I'm a grown man. I should be eating substantial food. I should not be feasting on what I used to feast on because that is no longer substantial. I should be eating the meal. I should be eating whole food. I should be eating something that is substantial. Why? Because I'm grown. And the same is true in our faith. We should be walking and trusting and reflecting the king more and more as we walk with him. But sometimes in my own life, I know that it's true with me growing in stature and in age, but sometimes I forget that should be the case when I'm growing spiritually. You should be in a rhythm of saying yes to the king and no to lesser things. We should all be in a rhythm of saying yes to the king and no to lesser things because simply that's obedience. It's going, yes, king, I trust you, step. Yes, king, I trust you, step. That should be the way we live our lives. We shouldn't be a people that are staying where we are. We should always be on a slow, steady pace with the king. That is the invitation. We all should be growing. We all should be stretched. We all should be fixing and walking and repeating. That is the invitation. We should be saying, Yes to the king and no to lesser things. We have been invited to walk in obedience. You have been invited to walk in obedience. Hear me, not because we have to, we get to. And the reason we say yes to the king, because we love the king. The king has snatched us from death's hand and given us life. He's given us a place at his table. He has given us a robe of righteousness. He has given us a signet ring of the family. He has given us new sandals to walk in. We, he has done it all. So why wouldn't we? It would seem really odd if we didn't. Why? Because of all that he has done. We should be saying yes to the king and no to lesser things. But here's what is true about me and here's what's true about you. We get tripped up by the enemy often. 
We often will even trip ourselves up. And here's what's interesting about the enemy. The enemy doesn't have any new plays in his game book. He's been using the same broke down things since the beginning of time. But here's what's crazy. He doesn't need any new plays because what he has is still tripping and still working. So why would he change it up? If we are still being tripped, if we are still saying yes to lesser things and not saying yes to the king, why would he change his play? And we're going to see exactly what his same plays are in 1 John, continuing in verse number 15. John says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If you're a highlighter or an underliner, I would go ahead and underline that. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and he's about to tell us, hey, here are the three schemes of the enemy. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, that's number one. This is how he causes us to stumble. And the, the desires of the eyes, number two, the desires of the eyes and pride of life. Number three, these are the three ways that the enemy gets us to choose lesser things instead of the king. It is not from the Father, but it is from the world. The world is all about captivating us with lesser things so we will miss the call of the king on our lives. The world is all about us fixing our eyes on things that really ultimately will not last. We're very good at being tripped up with temporary when we are offered eternal. And he has done the same thing since the beginning of time. The enemy has the same plays when it comes to entangling us in lesser things. And we see this from the beginning in the creation story. We see this in the beginning with the fall of man. We see this in the lens of scripture from the beginning. The first one, the lust or desire of the flesh. Hear me. Desire, there is nothing wrong with desire, but desire becomes dangerous when it becomes the king of our lives. When we go, whatever I desire is the most important thing in my life. See, we all have a hunger for food, right? We all need to eat. Why? So we can be sustained, so that we can operate and do what we need to do. But when it, everything about our lives is all about that desire and food, then it gets out of hand and it gets put in the wrong place. Then food becomes king. Listen, food is not our king. It's a part of what we do, but it's not the king of our lives. And so often we are so good at putting lesser things on the throne of our lives and we will do everything in our lives to attain it. And that is when it starts to trip us and that is when we choose lesser things. We have been called to more. We have been called to choose the king. Any improper satisfaction of a natural desire is an instant of lust of the flesh. We see this in Genesis chapter three, verse six. Whenever I used to read this verse in my younger days, I would go, oh, Eve, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Eve, 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 Eve. Girl, if it weren't for you, things would be so much better. <laughs> but then as I read God's word more and more, and the more I understand, Adam was right there the whole time. <laughs> Come on, Adam. The brother said nothing. His wife is talking to a serpent. He's like, yeah, say it, say it, serpent, yeah. <laughs> he said nothing. 
And then they both take a step of disobedience that has sent rippling effects to the end of time. And it's because of lust of the flesh. And they failed. Genesis 3, 6 says this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she desired what the tree was yielding and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. See, the lust of the flesh whispers this, enjoy what you were told not to. Because a part of all of us, sometimes we believe that God is keeping something from us. Hey, the reason you don't have that or the reason you don't have that is because God is not good and he is keeping something from you. Hear me very clearly, church. God is not trying to keep anything from you. God has something good for you. He has what is best in store for you. He is not trying to keep anything from you. But often we go, God, then why don't I have that? And you can fill in the blank. Lord, I've been praying since yesterday for a husband. Where's my husband? Lord, I've been praying for a good woman and a wife. I've been praying since last Tuesday. Here we are in the new week. Where are you, Lord? Lord, I've been praying to get out of debt, and granted, it's taken me 25 years to get in this debt, but tomorrow, send a check, amen? (laughs) The Lord is not keeping anything from us. Nothing is wrong with desire until it becomes the king. We have a king on the throne of our lives, so we can choose him and not lesser things. Number two, the lust or desire of the eyes. Lord, look at that. That will give me worth and value if I have that. Lord, that will speak to my identity if I have that. Lord, if I have that, then I will finally be somebody. Lord, if I have that, then I will finally have some renown. Lord, if you give me that thing that I so desperately desire, then I have arrived. And we are so quick to allow the things of this world to identify us when the king's already told us who we are. He says, hey, you're my son or daughter. That means you're a son or daughter of the king. It doesn't get better than that. Anything else is a less than title. Anything else. You sit at my table. I feed you until you are full. You have everything that you need. You don't need somebody to tell you who you are because I already have. But so easily, we were like, yeah, 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 that's great, King, that's great. But I really think I need that. Lord, as I survey social media and I see all these people have these things, and they seem so happy. They seem so satisfied. Lord, if I could only have that, then I would have everything that I need. Lord, if I could only get that, then then I will be complete, but... It is an unfair comparison to compare other people's highlights to your lowlights, everybody. And just because it appears one way doesn't mean that it is. 
You have everything you need in the king. You go, Nick, I don't know about that. Yes, let me, let me just remind you. Because of what Jesus has done on your behalf, your debt has been paid in full. Not partially, not sort of. It wasn't based on you. You can't mess it up. All you can do is accept it, and that's who you are. You have everything. And so hear me. Having a bigger house isn't going to satisfy you. In the words of the prophet P. Diddy, more money, more problems. Just because in their family picture, their kids were acting like they got their mind right. Listen, you didn't see the before the picture, okay? Were you tripping the child, you snatching one up, and tuck your shirt in? I mean, listen, just because it appears one way don't mean it is so. There is nothing in this world that can satisfy like the king. And we see this entanglement in Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. The lust of the eyes whispers, obtain the fruit you don't possess, and then you will be whole. But when you say yes to the king, you remember he makes you whole. And that you are not lacking. You have everything you need in the king. Third, the pride of life. The desire to achieve things. We want everyone to know our name. We want to have renown. We want people to look, us up, look at us and go, man, they have arrived. For me, this is something I struggle with big time because I want everyone to love me. But God's reminding me over and over again, Nick, I love you and that's enough. Nick, my love is more than sufficient. My love is tangible. My love you have seen. Nick, my love is enough. And hear me, you've all experienced this. Trying to please people is impossible. You know why? Because the target's already always moving, y'all. One day you're like, look, I did that dance, I did that jig, I did the thing. And they're like, yeah, today that ain't working, though. Today, this is what I say you have to do to please me. But the king says, hey, accept my love and walk with me. That's enough. That's enough. The desire to achieve things and to be somebody. Again, we see it in the garden, Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, what did she do? She took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. See, they thought, man, if I eat this fruit, then I will ultimately be as wise as God. They wanted this throne. They thought that if I eat this, the thing he told me not to eat, then I will be equal to him. And they found out that that is simply not true. Why? Because they don't belong in the seat of the throne. And let me just be really honest with you. Every time I have led me, it doesn't go well. Let me break it down like this for you. Every time I have found myself in a place that I should not be, doing things I should not be doing, and partaking in things that do not bring life, guess who's always there? This brother. 
Every single time. Whenever I say, hey, God, I got it. No, I don't. <laughs> and let's be honest. We're going to be honest. If I'm going to talk about me, we're going to talk about you. <laughs> you don't got it either. And you might have been fooling yourself to think that you got it, but you don't. You might think that you are fully in control, but when the storm comes, we are reminded that we are not. And here's what's interesting. You don't control the storm. You think that, hey, I have all these things in place and this is what makes me whole. Listen, if you're sitting in the throne of your life, you are sitting in the wrong seat. We are not gonna be a better king than God. Because what I see in my life as we navigate trying to be this and we are falling for the plays of the enemy, it doesn't lead us to a better place, it leads us to a lesser place. When we don't say yes to the king thinking by saying no to him and yes to us that it will lead us to what is best, it always leads to lesser. Why? And you know this, sin always overpromises and underdelivers. Sin always costs you more than you want to pay. Always. But when we say yes to the king, it's not easy, but it's best. So let us be a people that stop falling for the schemes of the enemy and say yes to the king. 1 John 2.17, where John's going to speak to the end result of lesser things and the end result of saying yes to the king. It says this in verse 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. The first part of 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires. Lesser things are temporary. They do not last and they will end. It's temporary. But we see in the second part of that verse, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Things of the king and walking with the king are eternal things, not lesser things. See, giving in to the pleas and the ploys of the enemy will lead us to lesser things, but the ways of the king will lead to abundance and forever. And John's going, why would you pick lesson? But whoever does the will of God abides forever. I love that because of Jesus in this very, very sad story in the fall of man that we see, and even as John is walking through this second chapter of his letter, he's going, hey, but. So what I love about Jesus is Jesus interjects himself into our story and where a period was, he puts a comma. He says, but. But because of me, I change everything. See, where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus stepped in and he fulfilled and because of Jesus, our story doesn't have to end with us giving in to our flesh, giving in to our eyes, giving in to the lust of the eyes, giving in to our pride. No, it doesn't have to end there. There was a comma inserted and his name is Jesus. That means there is more to come and a different way to navigate. And what I love is that Jesus fulfilled it perfectly. Where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus did not. And we see this in Matthew chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. See, before this, before we get to chapter 4 in Matthew, Jesus, we see this beautiful 
picture of the Trinity, our triune God, where Jesus is in the water being baptized. A dove descends and the Father opens up heaven and goes, that's my boy. And it's this beautiful moment that I'm sure those around wanted to just bow down and worship because they got to see God in full. And then after this beautiful moment, after this amazing revelation, after this amazing thing happens, Jesus immediately goes to the desert and is tempted. See, this is free information. I want you to hear me. Typically after those mountaintop moments, it's come in the desert. And sometimes we're surprised by that. But God, I just worshiped. Ooh, Sunday was good. But then sometimes you get in the car. And you're like, that was good, but I'm about to drop kick this child. <laughs> Hear me. After those mountaintop moments, typically there is a desert experience and an opportunity for us to grow in our faith. We don't like that, but we see that how Jesus navigated it. In Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, it says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Again, let's, let me read that again. I don't want you to miss this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. See, God was no less good in the tempting because he was more than enough. And listen, it's part of it. Walking with Jesus, it has ebbs and flows, everybody. There are sometimes it's the wilderness and sometimes it's the mountaintops. But God is present in it all. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I love how scripture just wants to be clear. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and the brother wanted a biscuit. <laughs> the tempter came to him and said... If, I love, let's do words. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The enemy says, hey, I know you're hungry. I know you have desires. Go ahead, make some bread and be fed. And Jesus is like, no, it is not time to eat. It is not time to do these things. In time, I trust my Father's timing. Let me say it again. I trust my Father's timing. So I'm not going to take a shortcut. I'm not going to do it my way to get what I think I'm owed right now. Not going to do it. Yeah. Jesus goes, no. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. It's not just about filling my stomach. It's about fixing my eyes on the king. So that's what I'm going to do. And what I love that Jesus does is he uses scripture to fight. Why does he do that? To show you and I what to do when we need to fight. Listen, church, we are in the battle all the time. And we need to fix our eyes on the king and know his word. So when the enemy whispers a lie, we can identify it because we know the truth. That is what is necessary. Verse five. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him. 
It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. The enemy goes, hey, Jesus, look at all this. Look at it all, Jesus. You can have it all. And what I love is that Jesus remembered that his father had already given it all to him. So you have to remember, through Jesus, all things were created. And so in essence, the enemy is offering him a JV version of what he already had. And Jesus remembered who his father was. He said, whoa, 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 wait a second. I know that you're offering me this instantly. I know that you're offering me this now, but this isn't best. I know what best is, and this ain't it. So no. 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 Verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. Let me give you the Nick Person translation. Not today. <laughs> Not today, Satan. I know that your words sound like honey to my ears, but I know it is bitter if I was to taste of it. I know it sounds very close to the truth, which is a very dangerous lie, but I know the truth because I know my father. And so not today. Not today. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. What did the enemy do? It left him. The enemy went, man, I guess you're going to believe the king and follow him. You're not willing to take a lesser throne. Jesus said no to the pride of life. Saying yes to the king and submitting to his ways is saying no to lesser things and kings. Let me say it again. Saying yes to the king and submitting to his ways is saying no to lesser things and kings. Jesus said yes to his father. And by saying yes, he said no to the enemy and no to lesser things. Hear me. We have been invited to go and do likewise. Why would you choose scraps when you've been invited to the king's buffet? Why would we choose less than when the king has offered us abundance and more than? Why would we choose less when the king has offered us more? Maybe today is the day where you say yes to the king and no to lesser things. Maybe you're sitting in here today and you're going, you know what, Nick? The reason why I keep allowing lesser kings to sit on the throne of my life is because I have not said yes to the true king and his name is Jesus who lived the perfect life, a life I cannot live and we cannot live because we have missed the mark. But Jesus lived the life that we could not live, so I say yes to him. 
I say yes to the debt he paid in full, a debt I could not pay because I am bankrupt, but he had more than sufficient funds to pay because of his perfect life. I say yes to the King Jesus who got up on a cross and surrendered his life to pay my debt, and three days later, the king got up leaving death and sin in the grave and getting up holding a key to victory that he offers to me. So I say yes. Maybe today is the day where you say yes to the king for the first time. Or maybe the day is the day where you recognize that you have been walking in a lesser direction and you have a lesser king sitting on the throne of your life. You would say, hey, I know Jesus but my life is reflecting a rhythm of going after what I want, allowing my flesh to lead. What I love about Jesus is he always invites us to repentance, which means is a, a turning, which is a change of direction. And so maybe today is the day where you change your direction. You say no to lesser and yes to the king and you walk in step with him. Maybe for you, as Pastor Adam talked about earlier, maybe it's taking that step of obedience and getting baptized. Maybe it's time for you to go public with your faith because baptism is just a picture of what has happened to your heart. You have surrendered your heart to Jesus and so you're going public and let everybody know who sits on the throne of your life in his name is Jesus. Maybe that's your step today. What I love for us all is that we get the opportunity today to take the Lord's Supper, which is a reminder of what the King has done on our behalf. And here's what I believe. I believe that the better you remember, the better you walk. And so we get an opportunity together as a family to take a meal to remind us of what the king has done on our behalf. But hear me, church. Take a step. Say yes to the king and no to lesser things. Let me pray. Father God, you are good. Lord, thank you for the reminder of what heaven will be like as we got a glimpse through worship today. Lord, what I love is that everybody has a story and all of these different stories, these different paths, these different journeys we have been on have collided in this space where we call church, Lord. It is not just a building, it's these people. And we got to sing what is true about you. Lord, I love that we raised your name high. I love that we fixed our eyes on your throne and Lord, my prayer is that our feet will continue to walk in what our eyes are fixed upon. Jesus, thank you for what you are doing in this place and thank you that you go before us. Thank you that you're in our midst and thank you that you have our back. Lord, may we just fix our eyes on you and may we be bold to take the next step of faith. May we say yes to you and no to lesser things. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your payment. And thank you for your goodness. Lord, may we remember well so we can walk well. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Now, as I was listening to Nick, just felt like the Lord just impressed upon my heart that some of y'all here this morning, you're beating yourself up. 
I mean, we all know what those temptations look like. We all know that playbook. And if you've given in to those temptations recently, it can feel like maybe you're uh, not doing this whole Christianity thing the right way. The enemy can be whispering in your ear, you're a hypocrite. The last thing you need to do is receive communion with your church family after all the things you just did this past week. And I want you to know that that voice is not from your heavenly father. That we know that when Jesus hung on the cross, that God removed Satan's authority in your life to stand as your accuser. God does not stand as your accuser. The only person who's beating you up over the sins you have committed is you. And as we receive communion this morning, might I challenge you to walk in the freedom that's already been granted to you. You see, God doesn't beat you up when you give in to one of the enemy's plays because he beat up his son on the cross. Jesus' body was broken and beaten beyond recognition for your sin, for my sin. So as we receive the bread together this morning, we receive it claiming the freedom that it's provided for us. And as Jesus hung on the cross, he said these words, it is finished. There's nothing you can do to add to the forgiveness that's already been purchased for you through his blood. And as we drink from the cup this morning, we remember and we rejoice in that. And so Jesus, we thank you for the freedom that you've purchased for us. We remember, as Nick said, so that we can walk forward by faith, empowered by your Holy Spirit. God, for those of us who have been struggling with the attacks of the enemy this week, may we claim once again the truth that he no longer, he no longer stands as our accuser. That price has been paid. And so God, we wanna walk in freedom. But God, we don't wanna walk in freedom in our own strength. God, we wanna walk empowered by your Holy Spirit. And so God, as we leave this place today, may we move forward empowered by you to be a light to the people that you've called us to be with this week. So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for being here with us today and allowing us to experience your presence. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.